Okay, we should be recording now. Okay. Alright. Hello! Hey everybody! Welcome to this very special edition of The Filmer. I'm Albert. I'm Austin. I am Will. Yes! And you get a guest. I'm a guest. We have Hello. our very first guest. Hi uh, guys. Will Benz, hey. ladies and gentlemen. All the way from sunny England, across across continents and time zones, uh, things have transpired. <laughs> yeah, we're in the afternoon, and I think you're like seven in the evening. Uh, half past seven uh, yeah. in the evening. It's all right. I've already had my day. Uh, it's gone gone great. But today, it would only make sense that we talk about Godzilla. That is one of the only things that you can do. <laughs> I've I, I've briefly observed you in your in the natural habitat by listening to the previous podcast, and now, I like, I'm intruding upon the balance and the atmosphere, and you as listeners as well at home can be uh, witness to uh, what's it, gorillas in the midst, where like I'm intruding upon the environment of uh, two glorious uh, hosts. No, but that'd be King Kong, though. Uh, that would be King Kong. <laughs> Which I'm it's... sure Godzilla does fight at some point. Yes, Warrior? he does. Yeah, Godzilla versus King Kong. That is With... a definite one. That's a good one, too. Oh, but if this is if this is in terms of, like, actually things that are relevant, then in this case, you are the humble people of, like, Oda Island or Tokyo or whatever, and I'm the Godzilla riding up from the sea uh, <laughs> to destroy your podcast. <laughs> Your way of life, bringing uh, radiation, um, <laughs> <laughs> just decimating uh, the the surroundings around you. Uh, you, can, you can carry, you can carry on. Uh, actually, sorry, that's too much fun. That sounds a bit more like. That's, 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 that's the sound. That's, that's the sound that we make. Continue. I'll be well, here in the background. Anyway, a little bit of history as to how we came to cho choose this topic was basically we were batting topics back and forth when we knew we were going to have Will on and uh, finally came down to asking him what he'd seen lately and he mentioned he was going to watch this. It, it was easy for us to get our hands on it and who can resist the opportunity to do a Godzilla movie? Yeah, I had never seen the original Godzilla. In fact, I, I had really... never either. Like, I hadn't either until very recently. I got it on DVD. Uh, it was given away in the Guardian newspaper about four years ago, five years ago, something like right. that. And I, and I had it then, and then I've only just got around to watch it this weekend. So, <laughs> what, a, what a good timing. Yeah. So yeah, all three of us just, have never seen Just it. in time for the 60th anniversary next year. Yeah, oh, and the remake. True. There's a remake coming. That's right, uh, well, I think it's another reboot of the American franchise, but it's going to have a more Godzilla-type Godzilla. We can talk about that in a bit, though. Yeah, but yeah, we, uh, again, it just felt like, okay, it's a chance for us to look at the original Godzilla. We, it should be clarified that we did not watch the Western cut. We did not watch the Raymond Burr cut. Right. I saw, is... I saw a little bit of a clip uh, from it um, on YouTube. But I didn't watch it all the way through. It seemed uh, it seemed a little bit um, per periphery. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you don't you know the word that I mean? Perfunctory, yeah. As in yeah. sort of just uh, he's there, he's there, sort of off of the original scene, oh, looking boy. on it and commenting on it. 
Did they just, uh, like, take all of the monster scenes and put it and set it to, like, American actors? No, it was, uh, basically, then the original scenes happen, but they cut differently, like, they cut at different uh, points. And then Raymond Burry sort of co- is commenting on it from <laughs> off the sides. In, oh, like, God. a different build. He's watching it from the sidelines. He's sort of saying, This is my report as it happens. Now he's making his way toward the city's main line of defense. 300,000 volts of electricity strung around the city as a barrier. A barrier against Godzilla. Oh, that's uh, not disruptive is, uh, at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, oh, it was man. definitely for the better that we watched the uh, original 1954. But, um, yeah, I think that would be it would be a better way to make sense. Uh, of all, well, if not American movies, then, like, if there should be an option for that, like, foreign movies... As like commentary, just have like Raymond Burr just appears. Um, you don't need instead of subtitles, it's just an American guy uh, telling you what's happening in the movie at this point. Hans Labyrinth um, would have been so much better if they had done that. Yeah, it's just like just, he just pops up in like a building to the side of what's happening. As you can see here, there's uh, a civil war. This guy's very upset about it, and he's kind of a dick. Watch him slice this girl's face. Yes, you can see here that he's, he's a dick because he's slicing the girl's face. He's hitting the guy uh, repeatedly with the bottle um, in the face. You know, the saddest part is I'd like to think that uh, as a culture we're evolved enough to move beyond that. But when I went to see Hero, mm-hmm. about a quarter of the audience got up and left when they realized it was subtitled. Uh, and you know what? Those people then proceeded to miss out on some of the most awesome action scenes of its kind in a, a theater setting. Those people really missed out. But uh, as I said, yeah, we watched we watched the original Ishiro Honda cut. I guess probably a good place to start would be with our opinions on the film. I liked it. I mean, it was... Um, I have not actually seen a Godzilla film. Well, no, that's not true. I did see the 98 version. It was... So you haven't, so you haven't seen a Godzilla film? Before, I have not seen a Godzilla film, is what I'm saying, yes. And uh, it was really good. It took it very seriously. You know, it wasn't it wasn't cheesy at all. The effects were really good. <laughs> There's a scene especially where, um, you know, he's coming out of the sea, he's attacking Tokyo, and they're trying to wrangle him with an electric fence, and well, which is made up of power lines. You know, he releases his his hot breath, and you see the power lines just sort of light up, and then they weaken and melt. And it's all practical, and it's amazing. One of the things I expected to see, because I'd seen some other ones, is I expected him to be stop motion. But no, it was just a guy in a suit, and it looked amazing. So, obviously, very new to the Godzilla franchise. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was in much the same boat. I was, uh... I'd seen a a few here and there, but I don't think I'd ever watched them as focused, and... I had I, I had much the same reaction. I really enjoyed it. I was surprised by how serious it was, how very dark it got. Uh, oh god, yeah. Like when it comes to the climax, how they defeat him—that's that's pretty fucking grim. Yeah, it's, it's brutal stuff. It's it's Lord. brutal stuff. It's it's a film that's very. It's impossible to watch it without thinking of the atomic bomb imagery. Which, oh no actually got the film in trouble on its first release, and a lot of people were really disturbed by it. Well, yeah, it was only, like, what, ten years after? 
Uh, nine years after. Nine years, yeah. Yeah, just nine oh, years. Man. You know, it wasn't cheap. It was using the imagery to make a very real point. Mm -hmm. uh, the the film is, of course, a very strong critique of the arms race and. Yeah, and the ending. Well, the I no, I think the ending line. He says, "Oh, if we if we keep using atomic testing the way we do, we'll see another Godzilla." And Which, there are... uh, spoiler alert: uh, they did see another Godzilla. Uh... Yeah, Twenty-six more. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's then. Uh, that's one of the things that I was surprised by um, is because then I'd only seen um, you know sort of the later ones where they pretty much dropped the whole radiation thing. Uh, yeah. That's, that's not that's not an issue in the later ones. And also, obviously, the later ones are usually in color, except for I think there's Godzilla Rays again is in black and white, and there might be another one after that. But then after that, they're all in color. I think I saw the end of uh, on TV. They showed Godzilla 2000, which was which was Japanese. I saw the tail end of it where Godzilla defeats the thing that's been terrorizing them, and then everyone's like, "Yeah!" And then he just goes back to destroying the city, and they're like, "Oh." <laughs> but then why? Why does he keep protecting us? Maybe because Godzilla is inside each one of us. Well, I guess this is his job, so... <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Can't keep the big G down from uh, doing what he does best. Oh. Yeah, I've I'd seen I'd seen like um when I was a kid I used to watch him uh, like uh different ones like uh there's one where he teams up with Ultraman I think uh, Ultraman's a big I don't really know that that much about him but he's the the robot guy in Japan yeah he's like a giant robot guy who I think is also like a regular sized guy sometimes I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah and then um i'd seen i'd seen a couple of the other ones uh my favorite was uh godzilla versus Mech, uh king Ghidorah when he turns into mecha king Ghidorah. um that's the three-headed dragon one but as in i'd only seen like as in you know the versus ones or like when he's fighting other monsters and stuff which uh doesn't happen in the first one uh obviously it's just the one guy as the monster by himself as in, that's one of the things that's interesting about I don't know if you want to get into it now, but as in about the whole, uh, what it says about Japan's relationship with the whole, uh, the monsters. bomb and the, well, giant monsters and the bomb and everything, the whole relationship with, uh, weaponry and the destruction and everything. The fact that yeah. Godzilla starts off as this and then winds up being that. As in the fact that the symbol for, um, the radiation and the whole destruction and everything then becomes, you know, what, what Godzilla then later becomes as the series goes on. I think that's interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm qualified enough to talk about it, but um, I think that it's an interesting idea to see played out as time goes on. Yeah, it would be. And it's great that his uh, the legacy is continuing. The remake's going to be American, right? Well, it's American, but Toho is involved, and they will be oh, distributing good. it in Japan. Good, uh, good. And most importantly, it's being made by people who really love the material. The, the, the team that's doing it... They really love Godzilla, and they really want to do him right. Yeah, uh, did you see, well, you would have seen, um, I think the last one from the whole Godzilla 2 was Godzilla Final Wars, or is there another one after that? Final Wars was the last one. Hence Final Wars, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they have not made another one since. Oh. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to see it originally, but then I've seen like, clips of it, and it just looks ridiculously bad. The dub is terrible and everything like that. I don't know oh, if it's... Well, yeah. you know, one of the things that uh, Toho was very adamant about on the first movie is that they wanted to shoot in black and white 
to hide some of the special effects issues. It was filmed very quickly, right? And it's also, it came out in the same year as Seven Samurai, so... That's, mm, yeah. yeah. Right. And it also shares one of the lead actors. The Dr. Yamane is the leader of the Seven Samurai. Oh, I did not recognize him. I, I, I didn't saw... recognize him. He's got hair. And, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I j that's one I just saw just recently, actually. I, I admit I've never seen it, and uh, that's something that I need to fix. Oh, it's excellent. It's excellent. I've yeah. heard, I've heard. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, getting back to the use of black and white, yeah, it, using black and white really did kind of wind up helping because you're just able to get away with a little bit more there. I think black and white is good for, um, like, horror-type movies and stuff. I haven't seen, you know, The Mist, when they did the version of The Mist in black and white. Well, they just sort of desaturated The Mist. You know the recent movie? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and they did the same thing with The Walking Dead, right? The first one? Yeah. Uh, Frank Darabont, who worked on those and who actually was brought in to do the final draft of the Godzilla reboot, uh, is a big black and white fan. And I think uh, it's shown that it's effective in the Godzilla thing. Because obviously, there's, there's a lot more menacing in this than he is when he's in color, when he's green and ridiculous looking. It's downright scary in this movie. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is held by the fact that I think you can't really see. I think there are like bits, you know, like in the daytime when uh, at the beginning on Oda, on Oda Island when uh, he pops his head out that look a bit um, look a bit off because of the fact that um, I don't think they quite got the um, the compositing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did notice that. But, was... but then uh, when it comes to night and stuff, and you can't really 100% tell how tall it is and stuff like that. That, I think that works. That so you mentioned the shot where he uses the atomic breath. Yeah, that mm. shot looks great. I mean, yeah. Even today, that's still really a good, solid special effects. And that entire rampage sequence, I think, stands toe to toe with any kaiju sequence we've seen in recent years. Uh, and you mentioned to me uh, earlier in chat, yeah, the miniatures really do look great. They look convincing. I really like the miniatures and stuff. And also the, um, yeah, I like the little fire fire uh, engines. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I, said, I like them because then, like, it's easy to understand as an effect. As in practical stuff is easier to understand than, like, computer-generated effects for me. I'm with so, you like, all the way there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and like, then you can get a sense of, you know, how they were put together, and also the fact that it's a very physical thing. You can see the fact that, as in, someone must have, like, done all this stuff with all the flipping and everything. Mm -hmm. And all the, like, uh, I'm assuming to flip, like, a toy car over, you have to have, like, miniature, tiny yeah. little miniature explosive things or something underneath it to flip it, or like a, a spring or something. I don't know. Yeah. How they work exactly. Pneumatic jets or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, I think your eye can fundamentally tell when something is done practically. I think that's why Christopher Nolan's films have hit people so hard is because he uses practical whenever possible. And even in cases like in the Dark Knight trilogy, where he's using practical effects in cases where it's kind of downright insane to do it. Like like, like flipping a truck yeah, in the middle of a Chicago street. And that wasn't the craziest thing he's done. He... <laughs> Crashed a plane! Oh yeah, that's right, he did. He crashed a full-sized plane. Damn. In the middle of Scotland. Because, why not? Why the hell not? It's in the budget. Oh, and he did it... Oh, actually, he did it under budget and under time, because... Oh, amazing. Why not? 
But I mean, I just think that your eye can fundamentally tell the weight that things have. I mean, I like CGI, but it can't do what good miniature work can do. Yeah, and also as in just as in the fact that you can that you know that it's a physical object or it was a physical object at one point, and that like as in you could have seen the sets as opposed to on a computer where it's just all you know on a monitor or something. I like the fact that as in that it was an artifact and that like as in that it was a physical thing that existed even though it was then destroyed uh, during filming. Yeah, again, that makes it all the weightier because you know that something actually was destroyed. Yeah. It's a yeah, real, you, real destruction. I mean, you know that somebody did work and that they had to suffer for it. Their work yeah. had to go. There was a, uh, slightly unrelated, for a robot chicken, you know, they use a bunch of, uh, the real toys. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Wherever they can find them. And for one, they had to, their toy wrangler had to go out and find a vintage 1960s Batmobile toy. And then destroy it for the purpose of the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that had to be a sad day on set. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to look at because you can just see it. It's up close on screen. It's, it's decimated. Yeah, I suppose that is the downside of it when you have to actually... Yeah. It's good to have the physical objects, but then if they ever need to be, like, scratched or destroyed, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whole object gone. If you, if you need a retake, well... <laughs> yeah, you need to get the shot in as many objects as you've got. You've got a limit. I mean, really, I, 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 it's just insane to watch good practical effects work. You know, we all, we often derive uh, the uh, man in suit thing about mm. Godzilla, that it's a, a guy in a suit. No, the suit's really good. I mean, Yeah, I thought... It. I thought the suit was great, and uh, there's one scene where uh, they use stop motion. They did use stop motion for one bit for the tail. It's pretty yeah. noticeable when mm, you're watching yeah. it, and it doesn't look as good as when the suit's just swinging around. <laughs> as it, because when they do stop motion, it just moves too quick. All of a sudden, as it just goes, and I don't, I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah, I noticed it looked. It was suddenly a very different style, but it was a cool shot. So I was over. I was willing to overlook it for rule of cool. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, same thing when uh, I said when like the train uh, crashes and stuff, and then suddenly like Godzilla's got in his mouth. Even though there's no reason why <laughs> he could have been able to like bend down again the train or anything, but it's cool just the fact that he's, he's crunching on this uh, train car all of a sudden. That, that's more like um, continuity rather than like stylistic. From checking IMDb, yeah, there's a healthy amount of continuity glitches, but oh yeah. I didn't really care, and I mean, there's continuity glitches in everything. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing to go on IMDb and look up any given movie and see how many things they just, they messed up. Well, it's from, not so much as in that, it's more the fact that, as in, there's no way that Godzilla could have bent down and <laughs> got the train from where it was, but just because it's, because it's cool. Um, <laughs> because, like it's, yeah, there's no way he could have, in the suit, been down and went, ah, fuck, Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly you see his mouth. He had very weak knees. It was kind of clear. He didn't have much in the way of knees. No. He's only got certain methods of interacting with the world, and it's all, like, smashing with the feet or uh, (laughs) burning everything. Or, you know, smashing his body. You know, just... True. Yeah. He does do the bite move a few times, like, on the radio tower. That's that's another thing as well with the radio tower. I know it was... uh, you know, you talked about it a bit, but I didn't expect it to be so, like, bleak. It does, like, everyone just dies. Yeah, right? Like... It's like the, re- the reporters just, you know, again, it ties into the, you know, they do have a reporter commentating, but it's not like 
commenting on the action. It's like, oh, he's headed right for us. Guys, we're going to die. This is the last broadcast you will ever hear from this. We are going to die by giant monster. Goodbye, folks! <laughs> and then it shows that the fact that said, like, not only does it then everybody falls off of the tower, but then the tower smashes into them afterwards. It's like, nope, that, those guys are dead. Uh, it's just like, the camera follows down the fact that they're going to hit the building and die. And then, it's like, nope, every, everyone's going to die. So, yeah. And not just that, but I think the amount of people that just casually die of radiation, when, like, the the guy encounters stuff where it's just like, oh, all these people are going to die of radiation. Not in the movie, but uh, this kid's going to die. All these people that are here in this hospital, they're going to die. Uh, the, t- the people that are touching all the radiated people, they're probably going to end up sick and dying after this. Um, it's not, it's not particularly... It's not something you, you know, really show to your kids. And especially as in, given the fact that it's only nine years after this stuff is happening for real, yeah, you can, you can imagine how, like, as in, the impact is going to be, you know, it must have been a lot bigger then than for the audience, obviously. Well, you know, the there's that great shot where they wave the Geiger counter over that little girl, and it just goes insane. Mm-hmm. It's like, yep, children are going to die. Or that scene where the mother is holding her kids and telling them, we're going to be with your father soon. Yeah, exactly. There are a lot yeah. of things like that. Yeah, even before that, I was in the fact that the water supply, uh, the well and stuff, and they're like, they use a guy counter, and then they're just like, by the way, I hope nobody drank for this water because it's radiated. This is yeah, so that's like, everybody there's probably been drinking from it, so that's everybody there, gone and dead. Oh, it's another, uh, just one of the other things, it's not even really particularly, co- I don't know if it's just because of the subtitles or stuff, but it wasn't particularly commented on, is um, the fact that, as in, that guy, Masaji, uh, is that what it's called? Um, the guy with the eye patch? Uh, no, no, that's uh, Serizawa. Uh, oh, the... uh, there's a, there's a guy from Oda Island called Masaji, right? And yes. he washes at once. Uh, he washes up first from the boat, and like, as in everybody's, like, oh, it's Masaji, he's fine. Even though this is the first time that you get introduced to him, but still, everybody's like, oh, it's Masaji, everything's cool now. And then uh, the storm happens, and his parents die in front of him, in, in, in the, you know, like um, in the. Um, Crushing by getting crushed by Godzilla, and just like the power of they just sort of like the, they're in the house, and then he's outside, and then he watches as the house gets crushed. Mm-hmm. And then, um, when the Dr. Yamani comes, and uh, just sort of like, as in the fact that he just gets adopted by them, just out of <laughs> like, uh, that's just that's the pity. thing that happens. It was it was a little choppy in the early scenes. I I, I, I had a little bit of trouble following what was going oh, on. Yeah, I suppose that's why, like, as in, because I watched it twice, I didn't pick mm. up on that much of that stuff. The first, like, as in, I didn't pick up on the fact that, um, you know, like, at the end, he's suddenly crying, and then it's like, who's this guy? And then when <laughs> I was watching it, like, oh, it's Masaji, and there's this whole, like, thing that he was adopted by them, even though they don't explicitly say it. Aww. As um, in, it's just that, as in, like, he's not there at the start, but then Masaji, then, like, they just join to the cell, like, well, it's just, you're coming with us now. I have to attribute some of that to cultural norms that we don't get. And also, it was, it, it was, again, I don't know if it's because of the subtitles, it was, it was hard, like, keeping track of exactly what the relationships were between, um, like, uh, Sarizawa and Ogata. Is it Ogata? I'm gonna mangle I everybody's so, names, yeah. And Emiko. Because I think that, isn't it that Sarizawa and Emiko are fiancés? They're engaged. They were. They were. They're not during the movie. No, it, and that's I, why he uh, he entrusts his secret to her because he can, feels he can trust her. 
Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were still engaged, and that's why, like, uh, she's going out with this new guy now. Or if they used to be engaged, and then now they're not. I could be wrong, but I took it as that they used to be, but that the events that scarred him caused it all to end. Yeah, well, I assume that that was, like, why the relationship had gone downhill, but I didn't know if they'd, like, ended it or if it was whatever, so... I had to admit, the only thing I was really paying attention to there was, oh, cool, scientist with an eye patch, Sweet! Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, without a question, he was my favorite character in the film, because he was... Oh, he was God, a, yeah. He was a great character. Yeah, he's, he's great. I did like Dr. Yamane as well, uh, just for the, uh, the fact that I was in, he's just so... just, he's sick of everybody. Trying to kill everything. I just yeah. felt that thing. It's just like, oh, you've done it again. It's Good job, everybody. And it's funny because you can really easily look at Sirizawa and Yamane and see if Michael Crichton didn't watch this movie before he did Jurassic Park, I would be shocked because Sirizawa, with his attitudes and his, you know, why does man think that he can do this, is totally Ian Malcolm. And then Yamane very much felt like Hammond. Yeah. You know, I want to preserve nature. I want to, you know. Yeah, I don't. I don't want this thing to die. I, I don't know. I think. I think he didn't have the innocence of Hammond uh, or no, the naivety no. of Hammond. Uh, it was more like I think I. I took him to be just like continually sort of frustrated with the world. Is what I was getting out of him. The amount of times when all he's doing is just sitting there and just looking like, I think, yeah. looking like everyone's disappointed him. Over and over. and then he even sits in the dark. Just, yeah, just... he's, he's not having a good time in this movie. No, he's not. I'm just gonna brew. Nothing's going my way. <laughs> well, you're right that he liked Hammond's innocence, but, uh, well, he was a unique character on film anyway. Yeah. Well, he allowed them to kill Godzilla. I mean, yeah. in, in the end, he was on the boat when they when they uh, dropped that thing in the water. But he wasn't happy yeah, about think... it. Well, he wasn't happy about it, there's a lot of great sta uh, good statements about, you know, like about the atomic bomb and about, not just the atomic bomb, but about the reaction to it and like the where, where do we go from here sort of thing. I think like yeah. the fact that, um, Sarah is always such a commentary on the fact that if you've got this technology and you're a scientist, it's your obligation to not let it be a weapon and to kill yourself rather than, right. um, you should rather die than let it fall into the hands of a weapon. That's, Obviously, like a statement on, like, um, you know, the people that developed the atomic bomb and the, everything like that. You could really kind of make the argument that the thinking of men like Sirizawa probably has a lot to do with why the Cold War stayed a Cold War versus becoming mm. an atomic war. It's widely believed that the presence of nuclear weapons has done a lot to keep us held back from going to that all-out war because we're too acutely aware of the fact that nobody wins in an atomic war. And well, then again, uh, you know, there's always more bombs. That's why there's always more guns than this. So, oh, yeah. Oh, there's more than one way to kill a person. And now in that alphabetical order. Eh? <laughs> like, for instance, uh, uh, building weapon to vaporize the enemy's wire supply. Yeah, that was that, that was, was Batman. Like, that was the thing. That was actually a really clever weapon. I I, I I liked that detail. I thought that was a really clever and cool weapon. Yeah, and it made sense that as in because uh, it's a good analog to like the atomic bomb in that he was investigating something else, and mm -hmm. then he came upon the fact that this can happen. Yeah, that could uh, uh, kill people on contact. And then he's just like, 
Yeah, I think his whole storyline is really sad as in just the fact that as in if he'd had more time, he wanted to make like a peaceful application for it, but he just he doesn't have the time because of this is happening. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, everything that has to happen to him just because of the fact that he has done this, he stumbled into this situation and he has no choice now but to do everything that he has to do. Which, yeah, is a, is a pretty tragic character. Uh, especially his relationship as well with uh, Emiko and Ogata and the fact that as in, like, they don't... She doesn't tell him anything. She doesn't actually get around to telling him. Also, this is a lot of spoiler alert for the movie, by the way, but you should have already seen it by now. Oh, it's all, it's all spoilers. We're good. Our rule, yeah. our rule typically tends to be that if it's under five years, then we give you a spoiler alert, and we really try not yeah. to discuss current films. Uh, that's why we haven't done an Iron Man three podcast because no. there's no way to discuss that movie without spoiling it. But if it's over like ten years, it's fair game. And if it's yeah. over fifty years, it's it's easily. really fair game. <laughs> yeah. It's a you should know this already. If, if right. it's coming up on its 60th anniversary, um, it's also <laughs> a, a massive part of the culture. Um, I don't know if it is it. It's not out of um, copyright yet, right? No, no, I no think it, so. It, it's not. It won't go out of copyright in our lifetimes, actually. Uh, oh. Because because of the copyright extension laws, uh, it'll it'll be in copyright. Let's see. If it's 65, it's 60 next year. There'll be at least ninety years left of copyright. Huh. So not so not in your lifetime then, but me maybe. Right. <laughs> uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe. I'm gonna just... I'm gonna sit there in my robot throne watching watching Godzilla for free because you don't watching have to Godzilla pay for, for it. free, baby. <laughs> and it'll be all under under the legal copyright. It'll be under the law, and nobody can do a thing about it on my space monitors. Uh, from Jupiter. But you'll still have to pay to see Iron Man 3, so eat it. I will still have to pay to see <laughs> Iron Man 3. But yeah, as in, I thought that the relationship uh, was a lot more complicated than it had any right to be. I thought that was uh, great. I know that Serizawa is probably the most developed other than Yamane, as in Serizawa gets the most like um, emotional stuff to do, everyone else is... Well, no, everyone sort of gets some sort of emotional thing. I know Masashi gets nothing. Uh, he just sort of, he stands around, uh, things happen to him, and then at the end he cries. That's his, uh, that's his arc. But think about it, how un- how uncommon is that for the modern kaiju film? Yeah. It, it's pretty darn common. Yeah, I think that's, that's part of, like, why it was, like, more striking, just the fact that I didn't expect to have all this stuff. I didn't expect to have all the radiation stuff, and didn't have, expect to have all the, like, death and the... Just sort of the depth, the amount of depth that it has. The film's the film's basically a tragedy. It is. Yeah. My God. It's really bleak right down to the ending. But there are like moments of I don't, a lightness or like unintentional comedy. There's a few times like, but mostly in reactions. There's two reactions in particular that I think are hilarious. Early on on Oda Island, when you know when the old guy is like saying about how uh, they should uh, send out a girl uh, to the ocean. Yeah, uh, yeah, sacrificing the, yeah. Sacri- sacrificing a woman. <laughs> and then in, just directly behind him, there's a woman who, like, looks over at him and, like, a, yeah, right, yeah, that's gonna happen. I so, actually noticed that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I thought was great. And then, uh, at the end, it sort of, uh, it sort of undercuts it a bit, but, uh, when, uh, Dr. Yamani is, uh, making his speech, and there's a guy in the background there as well, 
who sort of looks over him and then gets up and then just walks off. <laughs> so you, you know, as in like, as in just as in after the fact that everyone thinks that they've won, and then he's just like, "But we haven't won, and this is this is just gonna happen over and over again." And there's a guy in the background who's like, "Well, thanks for voting me out, dude. Um, I'm just gonna go now." It's so completely realistic. I mean, that reminds me of when I would be in online discussions after the death of Osama bin Laden. I guess that's a spoiler for Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> when IRL spoilers. Yep. <laughs> Cause you've just come out of a coma. Uh, <laughs> we won't the, the first thing that you listen to in this podcast is your main source of news. Well, you were trying to avoid anything uh, <laughs> that happened. I'm trying to watch all of the news feeds in order. Please don't tell me what happens. <laughs> but, you know, he reminds me of those people who are like, well, terrorism is still going to be a threat, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, can't we celebrate that we got rid of one major threat? Mm-hmm. Just, well, I think just the cost of the fact that they defeated it, I think the fact that they've totally ruined the ecosystem for the um, entire bay. I don't know how far away... I don't know how far the extension of the um, oxygen destroyer worked, and I right. don't think they, they, I don't think they knew either. It was just sort of a thing that they did. Very much a last resort. Yeah, but I think the fact that they were using an untested weapon that I think oh, they God, only yeah. sort of, and they had no idea like what it was going to do to the. Well, obviously that's another thing about like the atomic bomb and everything. They, they had no idea how much of an impact it was going to have. It's just destroyed at least everything that lived in that part of the ocean is now dead. And then, obviously, all the massive effect that that's going to have on everything else. Um, I did think as well, this is another comment on that, that I think that the un the underwater scenes were gorgeous. I love them. I thought they were oh, they great. were. They really were very effective. Yeah, um, it's not really something that you see uh, oh. either in uh, many movies like Yeah, especially like the old black and white ones. They're, you know, they're filming underwater. Oh my god. This is, yeah. more, this is way more than I expected. Yeah, I mean, I thought those scenes looked really lovely, and they were able to use the fact that the water would make everything hazy really well. The shot at the end of Godzilla dissolving was really mm. nicely done. The reason why I was surprised by the fact that it happened to Godzilla is because I didn't know that Godzilla dies and then there's a new Godzilla. <laughs> I, mean, I thought I, I just True. assumed because it was Godzilla that like um, Godzilla was going to survive this, no matter what happened, but... Because there are many Godzilla films. Yeah. There's also many continuities, but to even try and go into that would be too complex. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They do kind of do that with the 1998 film. Like, their excuse is a little... Uh, I don't know, it downplays the radiation bit a lot, because, you know, Godzilla's a female, and she lays eggs, and those eggs could be other Godzillas. I'm not for death, I think, was the case. I think they made... Godzilla hermaphroditic. Oh, uh, yeah. Just like yeah. the, just like the dinosaurs of Jurassic Park. Well, that's why he's allowed in, because he's a worm specialist, because of asexual reproduction, and then Godzilla. And that's how Matthew <laughs> Broderick gets involved, because he's, he's, uh, he knows about asexual reproduction. I just wow. <laughs> since, since we're on the 1998 film, we've, have we all seen it? Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I saw, saw it a while ago. I saw it in the cinema. As did I. As did I. What did you think about Mayor Ebert and his sidekick, Gene? I thought that seemed uh, petty. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, the only good thing about uh, Mayor Ebert and his sidekick was that at least Godzilla didn't step on us. Well, but Roger, I fully expected that to happen. And I think the audience <laughs> is waiting for that to happen. 
Yeah, maybe they should have included that. Again, there... Bring him on stage, at least squish him, right? Exactly. There are missing scenes. You know, I know it's not very good, but I still enjoyed watching it, but it's really a terrible Godzilla movie. I haven't seen it recently, but I remember really enjoying it. I remember liking this in, you know, all the eggs with all the mini Godzillas. I thought they were good. Well, that's, that's, that's also because then... Yeah. I was I, well. I was first of all like because I was a kid and I was into Jurassic Park and they look like raptors and they move like raptors and they're basically just raptors um, again, but this time in uh, underground. Um, this time they're the spawn of Godzilla. <laughs> this time they're the spawn of Godzilla, and then there's the sequel in the fact that an egg opens at the end of it. Spoiler alert as well for that movie that then uh, ties into the animated series. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard the animated series is good. I've never seen it, but I heard the animated series was like really. The people that produced the animated series were the same people that produced similarly, uh, like the Columbia Pictures, uh, the the Men in Black animated series, the Jumanji animated series, the uh, Extreme Ghostbusters, all of which I really enjoyed as a kid. And uh, I don't remember too too much about the Godzilla series, but I do remember it was pretty good. Yeah, he, he actually fought other other monsters in it. That was a big part of it. With yeah, the fact he, was, that in, he was a good guy. Yeah, he was a good guy, and uh, the fact that there were other monsters around the world that he was like part of a special task force. Um, <laughs> yeah. That like called called Godzilla using some sort of tri- uh, honing thing or something, and then sort of went, okay, now here's a monster, you go, <laughs> go. I think he also had Atomic Breath in the animated series as well. Good! Yeah. <laughs> that was the big thing they left out of the 98 film, was he didn't have his Atomic Breath. Oh, yeah, really? What's, what's, what's the point of him being radiated if he's not going to be able to um, use that to blast people with it? In the 2014 movie, it's already pretty much confirmed that he will be fighting other monsters. They've already said they're going to have at least two other monsters. Awesome. And I would really... I don't know if it's certain that they're going to have the atomic breath, but given that the director is a huge kaiju fan, and actually his first film as a director was a kaiju film, I would expect we'll see the atomic breath. I've already read that, thankfully, they're going back to the original design for Godzilla, because i got to say, that's the okay. thing about the 98 film that I do not like at all, because the design for Godzilla is crap ugly. Uh, I I actually like it, so sorry about that. Uh, dissenting opinion. Uh, it's there, good. I, I think that it's uh, mm-hmm. a cool-looking monster. I know it's nothing like Godzilla or anything. Well, I think that's the issue for me, is that it's it probably wouldn't be such a bad design, but you're messing with a design that is so iconic for a reason. It's like, then why did you... What, why well, because because dinosaur uh, uh, Godzillasaurus as a as a as a dinosaur isn't a good um, what's the word that I'm looking for progenitor for the Godzilla figure. What is a good um, thing is a is an iguana. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a lot more realistic. Instead of having like an underwater dinosaur or whatever that like was uh, living in the ocean, it's a lot more realistic to have. An iguana that somehow gets, because of atomic testing, somehow becomes not only huge, but also um, hermaphroditic, and also sort of like a man-ish, in that it walks on two legs now, but not always. But, yeah, you did make some good points there. I'm just saying, I like the classic design. 
Yes, uh, I, I was I was joking when I was saying it all all of that everything that I was saying. So, uh, <laughs> well, no, but you, no, but you did make some you made some decent points even regardless. If you're gonna have a monster and stuff like the Cloverfield monster as well, that's another giant monster and stuff. That, yes. that wasn't ever like you don't really need to define where it came from. It's just that it's a giant monster and it's attacking things. Yeah, yeah you, men- you mentioned Cloverfield, um, which I was going to. Uh, bring up because I really love that movie. Yeah, same here. <laughs> and I also, as in, it's, uh, it sort of does as in, uh, not radiation, but as in the fact that, uh, you know, the mites, like the parasites that are attached to, uh, attached to it, are just sort of like, as in, they don't affect the monster, but like, as in, they're a huge impact on people and stuff, uh, in the same way that the radiation is like, it doesn't affect Godzilla really, but as in, obviously it's a huge threat, uh, that's not even really a concern to Godzilla, because it's radiated sand. Isn't it that um, Godzilla is like carrying around with him? And uh, trilobites. He had mites himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not too. Although the trilobites were as uh, were as big of a threat. Um, other than yeah. the as well, Doctor Yamane is a prehistoric scientist. And also, he knows about all the radiation stuff. But then his first instinct is just uh, when he's in, I'm just gonna pick this up with my hands. Uh, I'm just gonna use my bare hands to pick that up. Good uh, <laughs> look. Which but, I guess, I guess it's all, it's, it's sort of realistic because of the, the fact that he's done these things and they're supposed to be extinct for whatever and like, and then the fact that he can't contain himself, he's just like, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna pick I'd this up. Like, I'd be like, I'm old, okay? I'm gonna pick up one of these things because I'm old and it's not like I'm not gonna die in the time that the radiation would take anyway, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but... Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Cloverfield monster design. That that was a great monster design. It's more, uh, it's more insect-like. Well, it's you know the the spiders dropping off of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's also well, Pacific Rim is coming out soon in terms oh, of other yeah. giant monster movies. Oh boy, looking forward to that one. Guillermo del Toro does uh, kaiju. Yeah, you've got my money. My only, my only problem is it is the fact that I think the monsters aren't going to be fighting other monsters. They're going to be fighting giant robots. Which... You're not losing my interest throwing <laughs> that in there. <laughs> is However, it like giant if robots there's, versus if at least one, If there's at least one time when like the monsters fight each other, just like in one little bit, maybe just like want to punch, just to throw a punch at each other, that would be fine. But, it's Del um... Toro. You know he'll get that in there somehow. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Del- but, Del- yeah, Del- I am Del- looking forward. That's coming out next month, right? Next, next July. It's July twelfth, I believe. So, yes, July twelfth. Which is really soon. That's like three weeks or something. I've heard uh, that. I was reading that tracking numbers on it aren't so hot, but I can. But I kind of feel like that's not going to matter too much when it's all said and done because I just can't fathom that audiences aren't going to at least give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As in, it just seems like, as in, a better version of Transformers, at least, in terms of the fact that, as in, what Transformers is supposed to be, uh, in terms of giant monsters hitting each other, and oh, this God, is actually, yeah. this is actually giant things hitting each other. <laughs> so. And I'm sure, uh, the plot is less needlessly complicated. Yeah, all, um, also, that is a thing that has been brought up, as in, the fact that there doesn't seem to be that much in the trailer about, like, the people. I've already wanted to go see it, I don't need to, like, as in... Right. No, that much else. I'll say that it's got a really great cast, uh, and uh, if I have to choose between uh, Shia LaBeouf or Idris Elba, yeah. Oh yeah. 
that's not even that's not even an argument. Yeah, and I don't see why, as in people say that's a bad line. You know, that today we are canceling the apocalypse. I don't think that's a bad line at all. That's a great line. That's a that is a great badass fist pumping line. Yeah, especially for like as in the fact that it's a movie where like monsters and robots and stuff. The other big selling point for me is Ellen McLean as the computer voice. This next test involves the Aperture Science Aerial Faith Plate. It was part of an initiative to investigate how well test subjects could solve problems when they were catapulted into space. Results were highly informative. They could not. Um, that, that sort of like, um, are they changing it in the actual movie to make it less like Portal? Because that sort of yes, threw me out. Yes, that's what I've heard, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It did throw me out because it was like, okay, no, this isn't Portal, but that's the exact same Portal sound effects it's, and everything. It's Gladys. Isn't she going to? Isn't she going to kill them all? Yeah. Because they have Gladys. <laughs> no, no, no. She she had to do it first with the humans. Yeah. Oh, okay, yes. Or this was before she became evil. Ooh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, uh, yeah, I like Cloverfield. Cloverfield's a good movie. Um. J.J. Abrams. Uh, we'll go... Actually, no, Drew Goddard. Yeah, Drew Goddard we and... Gotta, uh, we gotta get to credit him. I think, I want to say Matt something, but... Matt Reeves. Know. Matt Reeves, yeah. Who, um, I've really come to like his stuff, because he uh, then did Let Me In, which might not have been necessary, but it was good. I haven't, I haven't seen that. Did he also do Chronicle, or is that... No, that was a, that was a different uh, set of people. Uh, he's getting ready to do the next uh, Planet of the Apes movie. Oh, do, are the apes still rising? Is it Planet of the Apes? Uh, rising, <laughs> rising Planet of the Apes two still rising? Uh, it's, <laughs> it's dawn, so I guess we can assume that they have risen, and now they're in the early phases of uh, getting the planet going to their liking. And then uh, the third one sort of mulling around the Planet of the Apes. Well, like, they just, oh, well, we've done everything now, so, yeah, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Let's just, just get to uh, picking our fleas, people. Yeah, they <laughs> hang out, this, uh, one of them starts a jam band, um, like, they're really trying to get the band together, and, uh, then, uh, it's kind of a stoner comedy, but with, uh, apes, that's, uh, that's Simon the third Pegg, one. uh, Edgar Wright, Nick Frost, uh, come on, guys, this one cries out for you. That's right. This is, this uh, is your yeah, after this, Blood and Ice Cream this, Trilogy film. Well, there's two more. Um, also, there's that's coming out soon as well. Anyway, there's too many movies. There's a lot of uh, off-topic for, uh, for none of these have anything to do with giant monsters anymore. Um, um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have a hard time, even though they're not giants, I have a hard time considering a Planet of the Apes film too far off-topic. I didn't... Well, another thing is that I didn't see it. So, another... Um, oh, it's still good. Andy Serkis also did King Kong, and he's the leader That's of the true. apes, so there's a connection there. Yeah, I will say, I don't hate the last King Kong, but it definitely needed at least 30 minutes cut out of it. Uh, I would agree with that, but I think that it's good as like a, an incredibly insane vanity project. I think, that's, I think that's the thing that should be allowed oh. to exist in cinema. As, the fact as... that someone should not be allowed to go insane and uh, just sort of make so much of a love story to a 1933 movie. Um, oh, I, I'm with you there. I mean, I listen, I, I love a good vanity project, even though I can off the top of my head only really think of maybe one where it wound up really working out the way that everybody liked. Uh, 
Inception was totally Christopher Nolan going off on a vanity project. Oh, Christ, yeah. yeah. It just happened to be an awesome vanity project. Well, actually, yeah. that's not true, because every movie Quentin Tarantino makes is a vanity project. Oh, it is. It is. Listen, those movies needed to be told. It doesn't that. You're not hearing me disagree, okay? <laughs> <laughs> they, have an important, they have an important political message. Hey, I love Django Unchained. I, I had an absolute blast with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tarant- same here. I, I like I liked uh, all of it. I think I've seen all of them. I don't know. Tarantino uh, has to be another cast on its own. Yeah. But, yeah, you uh, should do one on him. This is me saying to do that. I can <laughs> I can tell you to do things when I'm not here, and then it's like my, my shadow lives on. Hey, look, we're always listen. I'll say right now to anybody who's listening, we are taking topic ideas. We're oh, we always- are. We have a list going. Uh, we do have a schedule going as well. Uh, we are always shuffling it around and evolving it and evolving ideas, combining ideas into other ideas, so it's it's an ever-evolving thing. So, you know, feel free to pitch into that. We welcome yeah. it. But I mean, getting back to Godzilla, because I do have a few more thoughts on it, I mean, I, I, I... One of the things that I want to talk about with Godzilla, because we've touched on the 98 film, I want to touch on the 1970s Marvel Comics series, and urge everybody who's listening to this to go seek it out because it is awesome. Uh, Marvel did a 24-issue Godzilla series. They actually got to give it a complete, conclusive ending, too, I should know. Nice. Uh, tw- 24 issues, and it it's available in a black-and-white collection that's out of print, I believe, but still worth seeking out. And some places, one of the local bookstores has it for, like, 10 bucks. Uh, it's well worth your time to read because what Marvel did was a genius move. They put Godzilla in the Marvel Universe and made it canon. Oh, nice. To the point where they've referenced him in the past as having been something that existed. I mean, they have to sometimes t- tiptoe around it for, co- for legal reasons, right. but Godzilla absolutely existed in the Marvel Universe. He fought the Fantastic Four. He fought the Avengers. It is well worth your time to pick up because these are really fun comics, and I recommend it. It's it, they're good Godzilla stories too. Similarly, the IDW comics that they're publishing right now are pretty good. Uh, the Half Century War. I yeah, know, I think that that well that finished last year, right? Yes, it did. Now they've got an ongoing series that's supposed to be really good. I am increasingly. Uh, becoming a fan of IDW, they've been doing a really good job with uh, the Pony series, and uh, I hear their Doctor Who series is really good. Yeah, I read. I actually read their Star Trek Next Generation Doctor Who crossover. That's one that just makes perfect sense. As one of those things, when you hear about it, you say, "Oh my God, this needs to exist." I did not know I was looking forward to this, but I was looking forward to this all my life. And they did something good with it, which was that they gave it eight issues, so that they could really do a full-fledged crossover, they could really have fun and tell a great story with both characters, They with both sets of characters. They didn't rush through it. They even found time to include a flashback with uh, Tom Baker's Doctor meeting the original series cast. Oh, hell yes. I'm a huge Tom Baker uh, Doctor Who fan. He's my it, favorite. I, that's one to seek out. So yeah, IDW, they, they, they do good stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they're Godzilla comics. I've read some of them. They're really pretty good. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, like from what I've seen of him, the artwork's always like really great of Godzilla. I think that he works good as like a comic book character. Well, in black and white anyway, because of all the like you know bumps and stuff. <laughs> I like I like looking at those. You know, oh, yeah. you know the fact that he's got a lot of circles and stuff. I'm not just I'm not crazy, right? No, um, no, 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 no. You're you're right. The spines are very kind of soft. I don't I don't just mean like the spines. I mean like in his skin and stuff. I think. That's oh yeah, the scales. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're not quite scales, they're like bumps. Yeah, no, 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 I, I, I see it all the way. You oh, and what was the, what was, which, what's the comic, where my display pictures from? Because I don't know, the one with Godzilla with a uh, basketball, and then you were that saying something about Godzilla it. Godzilla vs. Barkley. Um, Linkara did a review of it uh, for Top the Fourth Wall, his uh, comic review show, and it's hilarious, because... Godzilla fights Charles Barkley, and they wind up playing a game of basketball, and it ends with Godzilla doing layups. Well, spoiler alert, he gets busy at one point, uh, because, uh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's the only yes. battle that I've seen. Yes, <laughs> with the yes, caption, yes. Godzilla got busy, so, yeah. Yes, he does, he does indeed. I've just, I just screenshotted the, uh, the Skype screen so everyone can see uh, what Will's avatar is at the moment. Yeah. Uh, look for those in the bonus features. Um, <laughs> oh, we we like bonus features on this cast. Uh, we uh, we populate our blog with them, just for the reading, and uh, yeah. <laughs> bonus. But, uh, oh, we but, didn't. We also didn't talk very much about the music yet either. No, I don't know who, <laughs> that's Ross. Um, I don't know who did. I don't know who did the music. I can look that up really quick if you want. Yeah. Oh, do you do you know who did the music? I know the guy's last name, uh, Ikifube. I, I want to say Akira Ikifube. This guy's name. I may have the first name wrong. Mm. Uh, I want to say that was the guy's name. Uh, this is the best part of a podcast, by the way. It's when the hosts uh, don't know what to do and then and then Google it quickly. Thank God for the internet. Original music by Akira. Uh, if Gooby, I yeah. don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Okay, so I, I was I pretty much had it good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great music. It's really suspenseful and foreboding, and just the um, especially with the opening, uh, the opening song, uh, you know, they he works the 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 boom, boom, the footsteps into it, and his and his roar almost sounds like a. Uh, a clash like a clattering uh, musical note. Uh, well, you know how it was made, right? Because it was uh, mm-hmm. made using a uh, uh, leather glove um, over, I want to say, a bass guitar. Uh, being really? dragged, oh, yeah, being yeah. dragged over the strength of a bass guitar. Oh, that's amazing! And I mean, that roar is iconic. Yeah, by the way, also, sorry for the noise, because I just uh, went onto our website and then it did the Godzilla Raw immediately. <laughs> Not the Godzilla Raw from my toy, because if I did that, then it would sound like this. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, that is, that is the sound again. I think I've already used that one second use again. It's uh, on, on topic. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, is, it, is on, it is on topic. I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's exactly the same as the sound they use in the movie, but yeah. No, it's it's close, and it, it gets the effect across. The the music that plays at the start, it plays a few times throughout the movie in different forms. And like, uh, as in the other music also, like, 
hints at it, as in like, as in other bits of musical sort of like play bits from that theme, or like, you know what I mean? Well, that's yeah. what it seemed to be doing anyway. I don't know if it was just that, like, as in it was playing uh, quietly or like mixed with it or something, but yeah. It was it was a very nice uh, mixture of score and sound design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did a great job on that. And I also think this is a great, uh, it's a, it's a great theme tune as well. That's why I like it <laughs> in the Cloverfield, oh. Oh. Uh, the end, the end oh. uh, music by uh, Michael. Michael yeah. Oh, I'm, um, I'm a huge fan of Michael uh, uh, Giannicchio. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to say his name. I honestly either. don't know how it's pronounced either. Uh, I want to say it's it Giacchino. But, uh, yeah, uh, his uh, roar for Giacchino, the Overture yeah, yeah. is Yeah, that's, that's just amazing. a homage to... Well, it's just a homage to the original Godzilla soundtrack, which is why it sounds pretty much, like, similar-ish. I don't know who's scoring the next one, but I would if, if I were them, I would make a point to at least work into getting them, because that would be great. Oh, hey, uh, looking up the cast for the, uh, for 2014, Brian Cranston is in it. Oh, yeah, there's, um, him and there's also somebody else as well, hang on, I can just, uh... Ken Watanabe. Oh, got an amazing cast put together for that. Speaking yeah. of Inception, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ken yeah. Watanabe, yes, yes. Which is great, because he's an actor that I'm always glad to see in anything. Uh, oh, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson from Kick-Ass is, yes. Kick-Ass is, oh. is in it. In, in character is Kickass. It's a crossover. That would, be, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Kickass versus Godzilla. <laughs> so I want to see this. That, that's one that I'm really looking forward to. Oh yeah, and I, I didn't see Monsters, but that's the director, right? The director of Monsters. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. That's one that I need. It's one that I wanted to see, but time just gets away from you. Yeah. I, I love when people are like, "You haven't seen this," and it's like, "I'm sorry. How many day hours in the day do you think I have?" <laughs> yeah. Which which film are you talking now? Uh, Monsters, the director, the previous film from the uh, director of the Godzilla reboot. Okay. Uh, Gareth Edwards directed yeah. Monsters. Yeah. I don't think I've heard of that one. Uh, it's basically like um, it's a romance uh, love story between uh, obviously uh, these two people. They uh, there's giant monsters, uh, but they're only sort of in the background, like backdrop of. Uh, hmm. I think it's like jellyfish type big things that are like um, there's a zone full of monsters and they have to get through it or something? I don't know. I, I haven't seen it, so I don't 100% know. I think that's... Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Interesting. It's one I want to see. It's just that, as I said, it's it's time gets away I from think it, Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like in the same way that District 9 is like after, a, a while after um, the thing has happened. Yeah. The monsters are like quite a while after the monsters have already been taken care of, more or less, and like they're now... Um, it's all, there's, a, there's like a military zone. It's an uh, aftermath is, film, essentially. Yeah, yeah, but it's also a romance because of the, these hmm. two people nice. who are a man and a woman. I don't want to be heteronormative, but <laughs> or maybe it's not. I haven't seen the movie. Maybe uh, no, it's it's a man and a woman. It's, it's a man. And a woman. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I think maybe there's a, a, a new uh, angle that gets introduced. And uh, <laughs> like why the maybe, last man. I haven't seen. I haven't read all of Why the Last Man yet, so don't um, don't spoil things. See, uh, I read all of it in twenty four hours. I've, I've only read the first um, hardcover volume. I need to get the other four. Yeah, sadly, same here. But I'm I'm very broke, so I can't afford things. I we well, see. I read it from the library. It's funny. The uh, library in the town that I grew up in, not very good. All 
10 volumes of the of it in at one time so i checked them out and i just i didn't plan on reading it in 24 hours it's just that i had trouble putting it down i'd probably like the first one but as in i just um any of the other ones up yeah because they're expensive well yeah so i wouldn't have done it if i couldn't have done it from the library but it, it's it's good stuff we are kind of coming upon uh time because yeah we're, we're winding down, down a bit and so um I don't think that's noticeable at all. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we should end it by. Uh, I think a good thing to do would be Will let you uh, let you get some plugs in for your stuff. Yeah, plug away. Oh, uh, speaking of uh, giant monsters that we didn't get to, uh, my podcast is uh, an RPG podcast, Cthulhu on Parade. Um, it's uh, role playing usually do called Cthulhu. Um, that we've done fiasco, and I want to try and get monsters and other childish things. Uh, gaming at some point as well because I've got uh, well I'm waiting on the books to be delivered um, so I can read through the rules for that uh, we can go through roleplaying at a different time but if, in case you were suddenly um, in case the listeners are already knowledgeable about roleplaying then that will be <laughs> that will be more interesting than that thing that I just said generally just sort of uh, me and like uh, some other people that I know on Skype um, sort of doing roleplaying games uh, versus monsters in uh, well versus cults and monsters in the uh, 1920s and other things that are ongoing, either individual scenarios or uh, campaigns with like continuing things. You know how role playing works. You got Dungeons and Dragons. All this is not fantasy. It's Call of Cthulhu, which is more. Well, it's as in it's supposed to be like in the real world, but there's monsters. You know Lovecraft, the whole Lovecraft oh, yes. thing. Only it's not. It's not as it's not as like the stories of Lovecraft because it's usually pulpier. We got a pulpier style, and it's more lighter and stuff. To be honest, but I know, uh, which, I know a few people who are very very much into Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a popular system, and it's a popular podcast with many listeners. Why not be one of them? Why don't we be part of the conversation at your next water cooler event? Be part of the movement. Join the conversation, like in the slogan for Twitter. And speaking of Twitter, follow me on Twitter at Omega Will. O M E G A W I L L. Omega Will. Omega like the Greek letter, and then Will. And then also uh, follow me in real life. If you see me, uh, look, uh, look at a picture. <laughs> you'll you'll be able to find a picture of me easy enough. If you see me uh, walking around. Uh, why not just sort of discreetly follow me at a distance, see what I'm up to? Maybe, uh, maybe learn a thing or two. Um, take pictures, uh, post those, uh, on the internet, get a fun site going. Anyway, continue, uh, yeah, I'm, I think, I think that's about S- it. Send them to CMZ. <laughs> Send them to CMZ! <laughs> but yeah, as, yeah, we will post, um, the link to your podcast and, the t- and your Twitter up on the blog. Uh, thank you very much. Oh, no problem. Um, but also, uh, if you if you came here for me, which is obviously a possibility, uh, because I'm you know I'm the greatest. Why not stick around with these guys? This is my plug for them. It's a personal plug. <laughs> it's in my my well, listenership. Well, thank you. Stick, stick around. Stick around. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator. Um, <laughs> I'm throwing the knife to this podcast and uh, tell it. Well, throwing throwing the knife through the listeners. Uh, sticking to the to the wall of this podcast. Stick around. Oh, speaking of the end, I also like back to Godzilla. I like the fact that everybody's wearing a hat on the boat just so that um, Doctor Yamada can take off his hat in a dramatic <laughs> fashion. That's true. That is true. That is true. 
Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll things like that. Uh, that was good. Well, anyway, so yes. Speaking uh, of us, and sticking around for us, Al, let's uh, get into what we're doing next time real quick, because we do know. Mm, yes. yes, we do absolutely. definitely know next time. Uh, we're going to discuss two very cartoony films, uh, Space Jam and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, we're going to go into comparing and contrasting those two uh, efforts to uh, work with live action and animation in the same film. Yeah. Well, we, 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 we've got a lot to say on those, and we'll <laughs> save it for then. Yeah. But uh, real quick, let's go down the list of where we can be found. All right. You can, of course, find us, in case you came here from iTunes, you can find us on our blog um, where we post all the extra stuff and where the source of the podcast comes from at thefilmroom.podbean.com. You can like us on Facebook. And to get there, you can just go to facebook.com slash thefilmroom. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at filmroomcast. And don't forget to rate and review them on iTunes. Uh, leave a five-star review. That's my recommendation to you as listeners as well. I don't. You, you don't. Right. You don't have to do that now because I've done it. <laughs> oh, um, awesome. yeah, that's one that I keep forgetting to mention. Please rate and review us. On yeah, iTunes. We, we 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 like reviews. We we like we like attention. We're like anybody else. <laughs> we like attention. That's why we have a podcast. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You can also follow us on our individual Twitters. I'm. Uh, at primitive man prd uh, Austin is at untitled user a handle that I will never stop enjoying uh, That's the point of it <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's uh, quite good you must have got there early yeah you know? <laughs> actually I was actually I was it was in the early days of Twitter I had it it's funny my Twitter account probably sat dormant for two or three years because <laughs> you didn't that's the same with my Tumblr. It's like you don't quite know what to do with it at first, so you just you just get one because hey, it's a new thing. And then, what do I do with this? Oh, I guess I'll just whatever. Years later, you discover uses for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I can't live without my Twitter feed now. So that's sort of like uh, what I had with this uh, Godzilla toy that I got, and I didn't have any uses for it. But now um, <laughs> I can make this sound on the podcast. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, paying for itself. And, it is. Uh, there you go. Worth it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, also, I want to say uh, thank you very much for uh, having me on the podcast. It's been uh, great, obviously. Right now, um, you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's. I think this is a very great first guest experience. Like, this Indeed. is the first time we've had one. Yeah, you gotta you gotta get some more. You gotta get hungry hungry for the beef. Right, okay. <laughs> we are, we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. I think that was all the info. Yeah, that uh, was, that was. <laughs> okay. Well then let's let's do the identifiers then. I'm Austin Shan. I'm Albert Rosefall. Uh, I am Will. Still, I'm still Will. Bye. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye.